Welcome to episode number 20 of Quality Christian Living. I am your host, David Friend. As we continue our series based upon my book entitled Experience the Joy of Debt-Free Living, I decided to wrap this series up with questions I've received in the last few weeks from individuals. The first half of these questions were in episode number 19, entitled Frequently Asked Financial Questions. This episode will be part two because there are so many very interesting, well-thought-out questions that people gave me. I believe that they'll be helpful in your decisions to try and become debt-free. Today, we're going to start off with this question. How can I improve my cost of living? Well, there's a lot of ways to do that. And if you would like to go back and look at my episodes number five and number six entitled How to Manage Our Expenses, And then after that, the miracle in our finances. I've shown a lot of ways and given you a lot of examples on how you can find savings in your finances. For this episode, this question has one basically simple answer. Look for places to cut spending like cable, internet, cell phones. Car payments are a major issue. So evaluate what your payment is and see if you're buying more car than you can than what you can really afford. List what expenses you are able to reduce. A lot of folks today have cable TV and a lot of people have internet service and all these functions, all these things. And I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with them, but there are ways to make savings. So you can cut or improve your cost of living if you just simply take the time to shop for the best buys you can for all of these items and look at those things and go back to my old standard statement is determine what's a need, what's a want, and what is a desire. Here's an interesting question. I should probably save it for the end, but I'm not going to. Let me just read it to you. How long will it take to be debt-free? Well, it depends on a number of things. One is whether we're disciplined, whether we're focused to become debt-free, whether we can control our spending. And the most important is just get started and plan to do it. Most of us, I believe, can be debt-free in 10 years, including their mortgage payment. The length of time it'll take to be debt-free is not as important, though, as your commitment to prepare a plan and get started or just do it. Becoming debt-free requires an attitude of with focused goals to set down goals and even set them down just step by step, one at a time. Each small goal will draw us closer to our ultimate goal of being debt-free. There are several episodes in this series of teaching that gives you suggestions on how to become debt-free. But in reality, don't think that it's going to take you 20 or 30 or 40 years to accomplish that. Your most difficult challenge will be to determine yourself in your own heart and in your own mind and your own soul that this is what you want. This is what your goal is. This is what your dream is. And if you're married, that the husband and wife get together and they say, this is what we want to do. Let's set up a plan and we can accomplish it. So I believe that you can get counseling from your banker as to how fast you can pay your loan off or your mortgage company that set up your your loan on your house. You can also get some help with some of these agencies that offer assistance when it comes to reducing debt, reducing interest rates, on some of your loans and all these will add to a way to to become debt-free. But don't give up. Start a plan. Get it going. And I believe within 10 or 15 years, you'll accomplish that goal. My next question is really kind of a two-part question. The first is, what is the best reason to give? And then the second one says, if I decide to tithe or to give, do I give it on my gross income or my net income? So let's, let's address that and just see where we go from here. The first one, what is the best reason to give? My answer to you is, 
pray and ask the Lord to reveal to you why you should give. Secondly, look in the Word of God and find references. All you need to do is Google scriptures on giving and you'll be able to get a, a, a number of them that will help you understand exactly what the Lord tells us about giving from what we have. After you've prayed and after you've looked in the Word of God for those instructions, then I believe the Holy Spirit will put it in your heart to desire to give. Then I think you need to make a list of what you desire to give, whether it be of your finances, of your time, of your energy, of the talents that you have. Because when it comes to giving, it's not just our finances, it's everything that we have and the things that the Lord has provided for us. Let me give you a personal story about how I believe we should we should start giving in our finances. We were going to church and things were going just great and I was struggling with the issue though of tithing. I felt that that was too much, thought it was way over top. So we went to church one night and an evangelist was there and he was just preaching up a storm, talking about things totally unrelated to giving. And then all of a sudden he stopped and he says, I need to tell someone here in the audience, I know you're struggling with something and you're struggling with whether you should become a tither in the church and all of a sudden I just woke up and I thought wait a minute did my wife tell him something did the preacher tell him something but no he just said I believe it's it's on your heart that you kind of want to but I'm just here to tell you that the Holy Spirit is telling me that if you'll give and you'll give from your heart and and give right off the top of what you have you're going to be blessed beyond what you can imagine or even think so don't fight it any longer just give into the Lord and I believe watch the heavens open up with blessings you won't be able to contain I guess you could call that a pretty powerful way to be introduced to why you should give, but it worked in my life, and it was about six months after I became a Christian when this man gave me this message from the pulpit, and he wasn't looking right at me, but he was speaking right into my heart. So I'm not so sure how you feel about giving, but pray about it, seek God's word, and I know that you'll never regret it when you put God first in your giving. The second part of this question on giving is this. If I decide to tithe, do I do it on my gross or my net? Now, a lot of people struggle with that because they think, well, they should only give on what's left over after the taxes come out and that type of thing. But I guess my answer to you would be, it depends on whether you want to be blessed on your gross income or on your net income. If you're not tithing 10% of your gross income, then you're basically giving up the opportunity to be blessed on the larger amount. I hope that's been helpful in determining whether you should tithe on your gross or your net income. Okay, it looks like we have another question on tithing. How soon can I start to tithe once I have the desire? Well, let's make this quick. With a good budget and controlled spending, most people can start tithing within 30 to 60 days from the, decide, from the time that they decide the Lord has impressed them to do so. Here's an interesting question. Is it necessary to read every loan document? Well, that's just a great big yes. Now, if you don't, you, you're going to probably wind up wishing that you had or that you had had someone that you trust read the don't loan documents for you. Time does not allow me to give you the literally hundreds of examples of people who've come to me when I was a banker asking about how they would get out of a problem loan that they had, documents that they had signed, commitments they had made. Without reading them, they have no idea what they're signing. I know today it's very common for people to sign documents without reading them or having anyone else read them. But quite frankly, I just don't do that. And I don't recommend that anybody else would, would sign without having them read or having some good advice a qualified professional individual to help you with those knowing what you're going to sign. So let's just put it this way. We must know what we're signing before we sign it. 
Now, I can tell you that a lot of folks tell me that they've signed documents years ago and now they're discovering lots of problems. So I'm not an attorney, so I cannot give you advice on how to deal with those things. But I can tell you this, God is a provider for those who diligently seek him. And I believe when we get into a difficult time or a challenge with something that we've done or a mistake that we've made in our finances, we can ask for favor. I've had an experience, I've had many experiences in my life dealing with needing favor from the Lord. I can remember once when I was building homes and a gentleman I was building a home for became so angry with me that he wanted to sue me and he brought his attorneys into my office and basically wanted to draw the battle lines. And I just prayed and said, Lord, I need favor in this meeting. So just let me know where we go from here and we'll settle it. If it was a matter of money, I would give him whatever I felt was reasonable and I wasn't going to fight about that. But he said it was more than money. So who knows what he wanted to do. So we had prayer. My wife and I did. We went to the meeting. I sat down with his attorneys. I didn't have an attorney. I guess my attorney was the Holy Spirit. And so when we started talking, the man looked at me after we had prayed and he said, I can't do it. He looked at his attorneys and said, I can't do this to this man. I'm going to have to just let this go. And so the Lord gave me favor. And so sometimes when you're in a contract where there's a big dispute, we just get our attorneys, draw the lines and go to attack. When in reality, let's just take it to the Lord first. So first pray and seek God's spiritual direction. If you need seek good counsel, then go ahead and obtain some counsel, whether it be an attorney or whatever. But most of all, just trust God to help you through it. And in the future, use good common sense and know what you're signing. As we move through these questions, I've come across this one. Is goal setting okay for a Christian? Well, some people don't think it is because you're cutting the Holy Spirit out. But I don't believe that because the Lord tells me in his word that a man plans his ways and the Lord directs his steps. And I believe that goals are fine to have. The Bible tells us to plan things and plan for them. And planning requires some goal setting. So list your goals in all areas of your life. And I believe financial goals are not the only area in which we need to establish goals. So yes, I think goal setting is great for Christians and I think it proves that we're serious about wanting to get debt free. Here's another question about budgeting. Do budgets require lots of time? Well, here's my answer. To get it started should take only a couple of hours. Keep it up, it'll take only a few minutes each day. Then I believe it'll become part of your life. So set a time, set a date, and get started to be a good steward of what you have and prepare a budget. I have a question here now that says this. How can I start a savings account? Well, it's really pretty easy. When you think about it, you just go to the bank and you put whatever you have to get it started. It might be a dollar, it might be $10, but take the first step and then keep on stepping. So be careful now that the bank doesn't give you a service charge when you have a small balance, but most banks will offer a service charge free account just to get you started. If you keep stepping, when I mean stepping, saving each week, pretty soon you might be giving $10 a week or $20 a week. And before long, you'll be able to increase your savings. And as you increase your savings, you improve your finances. As you improve your finances, you'll be able to apply money towards paying off your debts. And as you pay off your debts, your goal is going to be right around the corner and you'll become debt free. This might be a good time to show you or talk to you about a an example I put in my book entitled Experience Joy Debt-Free Living. I call it, What are the Steps to Failure and What are the Steps to Become Debt-Free? 
since I'm the one that wrote this book that I'm going to be reading out of, I guess it's okay for me to do that. So let me just give you, it's on pages 104 and 105 in my book. How do we step into financial failure? Well, the first step is we want it now. We say to ourselves, I need to treat myself. So why wait to pay cash? I'm going to charge it. Step next step down is blame my circumstances. The boss doesn't like me. I never get a break. So I'm going to go ahead and spend. The next step down into failure is I impulse buy. I just buy whatever I want whenever I see it and I let others control my spending. The next step down is I buy to feel good. After all, it's always nice to purchase something. It makes me feel successful. I work and I deserve this. And then finally, thinking that budgets is is, uh, for a loser. People who have budgets are losers and they just don't know how to control their finances. So that's the what I call the stair steps to financial failure. Now the stair steps to being debt free go in the other direction. First of all, we accept discipline according to Hebrews chapter 12 verse 6. The second step up is just determine how much I spend. The next step up is reduce spending, control spending, and identify what are needs, wants, and desires. The next step up is see yourself being debt-free. And then finally, the last step in stair steps to debt-free living is live a debt-free life. I hope that was helpful. Let's move on to the next question. How do I make good decisions? Well, first of all, we need to pray and then we need to obtain peace. So a lot of folks say, I don't know whether I should buy something or not buy something. I'm so confused. So should I or shouldn't I? Well, what I've used in my own life and what my wife and I have used when making decisions is we obviously pray about it together, especially if it's something significant that we're going to to purchase. And if we don't have peace about it, then we don't do it. And I believe that that's how the Lord speaks to us. I I truly believe the Holy Spirit speaks to us by giving us peace. We, We trust in the Lord with all of our heart. We lean not on our own understanding and all our ways acknowledge him and he'll direct our path. Now that we want that obviously. And then we also want the Lord to give us the peace of God that passes all understanding that'll guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So if you are confused about something, about making a decision, the old saying is, when in doubt, don't. That's what my wife and I have used all of our married life. And seek peace and pursue it. And we can find peace when we read in God's word. We study what it says. When it comes to making a good decision, we pray and we get counsel. We get some good advice from other people. That advice comes from people, comes from God's word, and comes from just good common sense. Write down the process and you'll make good decisions. I believe that. I believe you'll make good decisions for the rest of your life. Here's a really great question. Is it possible to prosper financially and still serve God? I tell you, there's there's a lot of answers to that, but a large number of wealthy individuals, they do. I know some very successful people who are worth tremendous amounts of money who are faithful to church. They serve in the church. They tithe of their finances. Many of them give significantly more than 10 or even 20% of their income. I know one particular man who gives 90% of his income and lives on 10%. Now that 10% is a lot, but he wouldn't have to give the 90% unless he was committed to serving God. So yes, you can prosper and you can serve God. The Lord does not put money in our hands so that we'll we'll be at fault and we'll fail him. Matter of fact, he he puts money in in our finances in order to bless us and to show others that he desires to prosper us. I don't believe that he tells us to to be poor and to 
live in poverty and to never be able to help anybody else. I believe God wants us to be blessed. Now, I've written books and things on subjects about prosperity and on generosity and about spiritual prosperity is far more important than financial prosperity. And even this particular series of episodes, I have a message, an episode here that deals with the subject of spiritual prosperity is required before having financial prosperity. That particular lesson is found in episode number 13 of Quality Christian Living. A good follow-up question to what we just spoke about is this. What causes Christians who get rich to turn from God? Well, it's because they're not prepared spiritually. They have not prospered spiritually, and they're just not ready to handle the financial blessing that comes into their life. So let me ask you this question. Are you spiritually prepared to properly handle financial blessings from the Lord? If not, get ready because I believe God wants to bless you. We have a couple of more questions to answer. So let's take a look at them right now. How can I pay off my mortgage faster? Well, pay more on your principal each month above your regular payment. And if you do that, you can reduce sometimes as much as five or 10 years off of your loan amount. A lot of banks will allow you, you have to check with them first, to see if you can make an extra payment once a year. Instead of making 12 house payments, you would make 13 house payments. If you do that, you can cut off probably eight to 10 years off the term of your loan. So I would strongly recommend that you check with your bank and see if they'll allow that. If they won't, then you might need to transfer your loan to another lender who will provide that opportunity for you. This next question is really interesting because it's uh, so common amongst many individuals today in our country. Why are so many people today filing bankruptcy? Well, obviously they are operating in their own plan and not God's plan. Or they've run into medical bills and have gotten behind on their payments or they bought too much, too big of a house or too expensive automobile the pay, where the payments have really bankrupt them and they've allowed institutions to get them into debt. Now, I know that sounds like it's all their fault because I do realize there's some people that go into bankruptcy because of divorce and I realize because of financial issues dealing with, with disasters that happen in a home, a fire or some type of an accident or medical bills and I understand all that's there. But most, in most cases, the main reason for bankruptcy is that people are operating on their own plan. And so what we need to do is make a list of all the things we need to do to avoid filing bankruptcy. Live within your means, save money, buy used cars and not new ones, and on and on and on. I won't go over those because I have so many of those examples in prior episodes. So I believe you'll be blessed and never have to worry about filing bankruptcy if you seek wisdom from God. So let, let's do that because this last question on today's episode says this, where is my best source of help to become debt-free? Well, I'm really glad you asked that because I've been wanting to get to this these scriptures earlier in this, but I know this is the best time that, to bring them up. So if you get your Bible out and turn to Proverbs chapter three, I'm gonna read some scriptures there that'll help you understand how to avoid bankruptcy and how to be prosperous and how to become debt-free. Now I'm reading these verses out of New Living Translation, Proverbs chapter 3. The first verse is, is number one, says, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. Well, we then need to make that the foundation of what we're going to hear throughout the rest of these scriptures. Verse number five says in chapter 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. That simply means that we've got to place all of our trust in our finances 
in the Lord. We've got to put our trust in Him, our confidence in Him, and not lean on what we think, what we understand. Now, we can use our own wisdom. We can use the knowledge that God has given us. We can use the things that we've learned and been trained and been taught. But bottom line, with all that teaching and all that experience, we still need to trust God first with all of our heart. Verse 6, seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. We want God's will in our financial decisions. It's so vital to know what God's will is. And the only way we'll know his will is if we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us, then read his word and see what his word tells us about decisions we have to make or whether we should co-sign for a loan, which we've covered, or how we can save things and how we should avoid certain types of debt. All that isn't found in the word of God. Verse number seven, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So we can't go around and be thinking about how smart we are and and how brilliant we've become with all the decisions that we've made. And, and, and I, I, I see this sometimes in people that are successful. They'll, they'll say, well, that's just simply uh, uh, something that is just so obvious. It, it, uh, it's, it doesn't even require a brain to do that. Well, I have a problem with that statement because many times what we're saying is that we're not using our brain to make the decision. And I believe that God wants to use our wisdom that he's given us, but also don't be so impressed with it that we'll do what we think is right and then simply turn our back on God's direction. Verse number nine says this, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. So therefore, how can we honor God? Well, we use the finances that he gives us and keep them pure and clean. Now, when I say that, people say, well, money's not pure and clean. Well, if it's a blessing from God, God's not gonna give us a dirty gift. He's gonna give us a pure and clean gift. And if he is our source in the finances that we have, The money that he gives us starts out pure. It starts out blessed of God. And so therefore, we're supposed to keep it blessed. We're supposed to keep it pure. And so use what we have to honor God by giving back to his work and blessing other people and then give a portion of everything that we produce or everything that we make. Verse number 11, my child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. I'm telling you, I encourage you to even ask God to discipline you. I do. I say, Lord, I'll say it right now. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you will discipline me because I know when you discipline me, your word tells us you want to bless me. You want to correct me. You want to keep my path going in the right direction, my steps to go in the right direction, on the right path. And so, Lord, I desire your discipline. Now, when I pray that, I mean it. I believe it because God doesn't discipline me so that he can beat me up and he can cause me to go bankrupt and he can cause me to be in debt for the rest of my life. That's not the God that we serve. It's not the God that I know and not the God that's blessed me all the years of my life, ever since I turned my life over to him. Verse 13, joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. So therefore, when it comes to financial decisions, we need to gain wisdom. We uh, we, we refer, refer to something called the no-brainer. I think I made a comment here a minute or so ago about using our a lack of our brains. But that if that's a no-brainer, then, then it shouldn't even be a decision that we should make. I don't like that term, that statement. Basically, we're supposed to gain wisdom wisdom from others. So seek counsel. There's there's wisdom in getting counsel from others. So I believe in that and I know that you'll be blessed if you follow this instruction. Joyful is a person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. Verse 14, for wisdom is more profitable Interesting. A lot of people wouldn't think that you'd read the word profitable and profit and gain and and prosper in God's word, but it's throughout his word. For wisdom is more profitable than silver and her wages are better than gold. So therefore, wisdom 
is what we should try to obtain because with wisdom we'll make good decisions. We can have knowledge and not make good decisions, but we will make good decisions when we obtain wisdom. So let's move down to verse number 18 now. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. So therefore, wisdom is life. Wisdom is the tree of life. This it talks about being the tree of life, the, the tree that's, that's really that's growing and blooming and prospering. So God wants to bless us and he wants us to produce and he wants us to gain wisdom first so we know in the proper direction in which we're supposed to, to go and the decisions that we're supposed to make. You know, as I look at these words in Proverbs chapter 3, some of them you may not think deal with finance, but let me read a couple of them anyways. Verse 21, my child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them. Sometimes it's just good common sense when it comes to making a financial decision. If you're going in to shop for a car and your budget is $20,000 or $25,000, please don't drive away with a $45,000 vehicle and put yourself in a very difficult time. That's just good common sense. Verse 24 says, You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. Now, a lot of folks can't sleep soundly because of their financial problems that they're, they're experiencing. So if we make good decisions and we seek God's counsel and we take the steps that God has provided for us, then we'll make good decisions and we'll be able to sleep like a baby every single night. Verse 25, you need not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked. Now, that's for those of us who are serving God, obviously. You need not be afraid, it says, of sudden disaster. In, in, in a financial planning network, what we do is we make sure we have a savings account, that we have provisions for uh, challenges and disasters disasters or trials that come up in our life. So let's prepare ourselves for those things. And I know that it will make your life a lot more peaceful and a lot more enjoyable. Uh, verse 26, for the Lord is your security, it says. He will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. Remember earlier, I talked about a man who wanted to sue me and I just prayed for for favor. I asked God would give me a favor. And so God was my security. He was my counselor. He was my paraclete. Uh, that's the Holy Spirit, the one who was there to help me and guide me through that challenge by these attorneys. And I came, to that, came out of that thing so strong and so much at peace and God blessed it and the thing just went away. So he's my security blanket, if you want to call it that. Verse 27, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. I believe that can apply to our finances. If we have the financial substance to be able to help others, then let's do it. Let's reach out and help those who have needs. Do not, it says, withhold good from those who deserve it. When it's in your power to help, if you have the finances to help, then let's let go of those and let's use them to bless other people. I believe that money coming into our life should bless us, flow through us, and bless others. I believe that we're kind of like a conduit. God wants to bless us. So he pours out a blessing that goes through us, that nourishes us, that blesses us, that prospers us, that gives us a nice home, a nice car, and all those things that we need, the ability to give financially to the church. And then there's extra, there's excess that we can then let flow through us and us some plus someone else to bless them and to be a blessing to someone else with the provision that God has given us. Verse 33 says this, The Lord curses the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the upright. Serve God. Be faithful in the house of God. Read his word. Testify of God's goodness in your life. Live a good godly life. And God's going to bless us. I believe that. Verse 35, 
The wise inherit honor, but fools are put to shame. God has an inheritance for us, an inheritance of prosperity, an inheritance of eternal life. So let's draw near to God and receive that blessing today, receive that inheritance so that we will be able to be a blessing by first meeting our needs, meeting the needs of others, being debt-free, and give God all the glory and all the credit for it. Where is my best source of help to become debt-free? That was the question that started us all off. Start with prayer. Then read God's word. Find someone who needs help in their finances and work with them. Write down the advice that you would give others to be debt-free. A lot of times we learn something and that's great, but we keep it to ourselves. But we shouldn't do that. We need to take what we've been given, the directions that we've got or the instructions that we've received and use it for God's glory and then also use it to bless others. I try and tell people a lot of times, if you need a job, go out and tell someone how to find a job. And by telling them, you'll educate yourself in what you need to do. I believe it's the same way with in debt. If you're in debt and you know the principles, you're just not applying them, but you know the principles, go out and tell someone else how they can get out of debt. And as you're teaching them, you'll grow and you'll prosper and you'll soon be debt free. If you're interested in hearing more about how to experience the joy of debt-free living, you can go to my webpage at davidcfriendauthor.com or you can subscribe to my podcasts on cpnshows.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you and give you peace. May you prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. Until next time, may God richly bless you.